Hi, Canberg. Welcome to our newly rebranded podcast, Lights, Camera and B2B. And how are you doing today? Hi, Ms. Khan. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty well. Thank you. How about yourself? I'm great. Was really looking forward to this interview because uh, I think so. I'm going to get some new and quite an interesting insight from you today about this conversation. Before starting with anything else, I would love to know more about you. So please, Canberg, the floor is yours. Let me know. Sure. Uh, currently, I am the global head of paid at Cognizm, and uh, I am looking after Cognizm and Cognizm's other brands' uh, paid media channels. Uh, beforehand, I was the head of growth at Deep Crawl, and uh, previously, I had my own startup. I made an exit, uh, all B2B SaaS. And beforehand, I was a lawyer. So it has been a pretty wild journey, and yeah, I'm glad that uh, the lawyer times are now <laughs> over. But how did this shift happen, really? Like, first you were a lawyer, from there you actually uh, started a startup of yours. How did this happen? I mean, uh, back in the days, I used to work with startups. Like, I was doing mergers and acquisitions, but I was on the other side of the table. So I was doing the paperwork, I was doing all of the boring stuff, and yeah. I kept seeing, seeing all of those people having fun in their startups. So it was a wake-up call for me. Uh, and yeah, then I got lucky uh, and a friend of mine offered me a position. And then, yeah, I turned out to be a marketing person. Wow. So your startup was also into marketing? Uh, it was a bit marketing, a bit e-commerce. Uh, it was B2B. It was a uh, B2B startup for the mobile mobile con commerce. So it was basically a no-code mobile application builder for e-commerce companies. Uh, you would just uh, plug your e-commerce and then you would be able to create your mobile app. Uh, and we got lucky, like with the COVID, uh, e-commerce uh, got skyrocketed and everyone uh, started to invest more to e-commerce, therefore mobile commerce. And like... By the time we launched the product, the COVID happened literally uh, after the week. So uh, we got really lucky and our sales got like 1 million ARR, ARR uh, in like less than 10 months. Uh, then, yeah, I made an exit uh, after one and a half year. Uh, then I got to offer a deep crawl uh, for the demand jump position. I established the demand jam function in the company uh, and then I was promoted to be head of growth there. I built my own team and then uh, I went to Cognizm and since then, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing the paid at Cognizm and I'm building a paid uh, team from scratch. Wow, that's like a lot of experience in very different fields, actually. First, you started as a lawyer, then you were in a startup, like you built it. And now you're actually in a job, which is like tremendous. I mean, that's the, that's that's the amount of experience a person should have to, you know, really be speaking about it. But speaking about things, I just went across your LinkedIn profile and I just saw this bio, which said that you like disrupting traditional marketing strategies. That's your viewpoint. So let's let's just skim through it. And would love to know what is this about? I mean, I think we can all agree that B2B buying journey has changed. Uh, the buyers don't react the same that they used to a couple of years ago. And when you think about it, about it, uh, Scott Brinker, chief of MarTech, uh, he launches this uh, landscape every year uh, on companies, on what is the uh, amount of companies that 
in active in the landscape in martech and compared to 2011 in 12 years the number of companies in marketing technologies increased by 73x uh and even compared to last year compared to 2022 uh the number of companies increased by 10 percent and we are not even talking about the companies that went bankrupt that are not active we are only talking about the active companies Mm -hmm. and all of these companies are actually having the same value proposition to make your business more profitable to grow your business and when you think about it it makes sense all of, of course all of the companies will be offering the same value proposition but uh then this brings some statistical st- st- into marketing teams. Uh, the marketing teams are using same strategies. They are using the same approach. They are having the same uh, value propositions. Okay, we are going to grow your company. We are going to launch an ebook. We are going to create a webinar and uh, get signups. But an average person on LinkedIn probably sees like more than 100 ads every day, 100 ebooks, and nobody has any time to download one more ebook because your company is not special. Okay, your company can make uh, my company more profitable, but also there are tons of companies that are offering the same thing, and I don't have any time to listen to all of them. Uh, and the traditional approach is this ebook approach, like uh, creating. Uh, a marketing funnel from these low intent uh, MQS. Uh, but what I mean by breaking down this traditional approach is to uh, get free all of this ebook, get free with all of these signups, but only focus on your product. And uh, okay, probably there is like 3% of your target addressable market are in in market they are ready to buy but there's like 97 percent of these people are not really ready to buy and rather than focusing and uh allocating all of your budget to this three percent i'm more uh focusing on that 93 97 percent i educate them uh the content is only in feed consumable so people don't even need to click on website website because i'm also a buyer and mm. to be fair, when I'm on LinkedIn, when I'm on Facebook, I don't click any of the websites anymore because I don't have time. I cannot click all of the ads every time. Uh, so uh, here at Cognizm, the approach has been the in-feed consumable con- content. Imagine you're on LinkedIn, you can see the content, you don't need to click, you can get uh, what we mean on LinkedIn and you can mm. keep scrolling. Uh, this has been the traditional approach that we are trying to break. And I believe so far we have been pretty successful with that. <laughs> That's actually amazing because um, I just would like to go back to that point that you just mentioned, Kanberg, that, um, you know, there has been a lot of companies, uh, like let's just exclude the ones that are already bankrupted. but. Even after that, the competition is pretty high and nobody's really offering anything different. And with podcast itself, we say that it is a marketing activity, a very small part of it. But at the same time, it's a very top of the funnel activity. And uh, it is sort of giving some new fuel to whatever it is that we're doing. For example, let's take social media. If we take social media, there are content, there are over salesy posts. So podcast is sort of acting like a fuel to, you know, really supercharge your already existing marketing. Now that is like a breath of fresh air, similarly to what you just mentioned. And I think so that your viewpoint is nice. But at the same time, now what would if we just focus on B2B SaaS marketing, what would be these strategies that you would like to implement or that you think work really? I believe 
educating the audience, definitely educating your audience about the product. Like uh, an audience, your audience shouldn't have to speak with sales to learn about your product. They shouldn't speak with anyone to learn about the product. Like they can, they need to come to your website if necessary and learn about about the product. But uh, I believe the uh, best solution would be to make your target audience solution aware. They would know what is needed, what they can achieve with your product. And then when they need that, they can come and they can get it. Because uh, when you think about B2B SaaS companies, uh, the structures are changing every day. Like uh, my CMO can come tomorrow and tell me that, Jamrak, you have 50 grand budget for tools. Okay, then I know which tools I can buy. I have that list. But currently, if a tool comes to me today and says, can you buy me? I would say no, because I don't have the budget. But as you said, like podcast is one of uh, those top of the funnel activities and they create that awareness. And even though they require time for your audience to listen it, uh, they spend that time because they know that they are going to learn something. It, it is not only about the product itself, like you are not actually showcasing your product, but you are educating the audience on the marketing. And uh, this is a great top top of the funnel activity that we also do at Cognizant. But mm-hmm. for example, if you try to tie your Cogniz- uh, tie your podcast with revenue and you try to count MQRs coming from this podcast, direct MQRs coming from podcast, mm-hmm. you would probably think that podcast is not successful because it is not directly impacting MQRs. True, true, very true, because that's why we call it a top of the funnel activity, because after that, a lot goes in, a lot of contacts, networking, and another sort of marketing that goes into it. Now, we uh, usually say that video marketing is something that's, that works after that, because, you know, uh, if we look at, I've used this example like tons of times, but if you if we look at YouTube itself, they have come into now, uh, made a category of podcasting itself. Now they know the value of it and how it could turn around things, right? So we always say that the video marketing has to come in and has to set up things for us because only podcasting is not something that will get us revenue or any sort of ROI to us. So coming to that only when we talk about B2B marketing, first of all, just just wanted to know that it's Canberg or is it John Berg? Because I might be pronouncing your name wrong. <laughs> uh, it is John Berg, but I, I don't mind. Okay, okay. So John Berg, now coming to B2B marketing, just wanted to know that because while we were also researching and what works for us is video marketing. So do you think that it is successful or is it working in terms of B2B marketing? What are your views? Uh, yes and no. Uh, okay. Yes, because... Uh, it is a great way to reach your audience. Like the, it is cheaper hmm. uh, on YouTube. It is cheaper on LinkedIn. It is, it is cheaper it is. on Facebook. Hmm. And yeah, compared to static, uh, it is much cheaper and you get more engagement. Like people are more likely to engage with your content. Uh, people hmm. are more likely to consume that content. Right. Uh, but like currently at Cognizant, it is working. However, I'm still not convinced. Like we probably have like, maybe 25, maybe 30% of our campaigns are video campaigns. Uh, and like when we look at the 50% view rate, they are good. Uh, 75% view rate, they are good. Especially like we are doing a lot of YouTube. Uh, we are spending a lot of money, but we can also see the results. Like uh, we have the self-report attribution form. When they when people submit the demo form, uh, we can see that the YouTube answers uh, increase by like 5x after we start to focus on YouTube. Uh, however, 
again my concern with videos and again uh, maybe it is because cognizim is a product uh, for marketing people and sales people so i'm actually the target audience of cognizim and mm-hmm. as the target audience and as the icp of many com- companies i also being targeted with out of videos every day and to be fair i don't watch them uh if it is not exceptionally good uh and this is for a reason like again even if it is 20 seconds m- maybe i'm just on my phone scrolling and i don't hear the voice like i don't have the sound on maybe i'm on my desktop just scrolling but i'm about to have a meeting so and the sound is not on uh when people consume that content they actually consume that content but if they don't consume that content they don't consume it like with static ad images you know that people see that ad like uh even that they scroll they definitely saw that ad but mm-hmm. with, with with video they either consume that content completely or they didn't consume it at all so there is no actually middle ground right so just wanted to understand that why does this really happen because um you know when you're talking about attention spans is it because that some niche might find a topic really interesting is it topic to topic or how does it really matter yeah i believe it is definitely topic to topic like if you have a, a niche in, uh, interest or industry then uh videos might work but even uh with that like uh if you keep bombarding your audience with videos at some point they would uh get basically bored uh, with those videos and i believe mm-hmm. you are uh, very right about the attention span like instagram and tiktok changed the consumer behavior for good and now uh the attention spans are really low and we need to show the video maybe in less than like 10 seconds 15 seconds in order to tell what we do and what we are trying to say right because uh, the next question mine was of mine was related to this only not exactly but in a way that you know how is b2b saas marketing really different from what we're doing in b2c marketing because now the tools the efforts might be the same but i think so it somehow differs so what is it so uh in the structure side b2b marketing is completely different than b2c like uh we are not after getting only one sale we are getting after revenue uh and the sales cycles are low uh long and it is not like give a discount and get more sales like uh it doesn't work like all the time however uh when we look at the main principles these main principles are getting closer and closer to e- uh each day uh for example like how did you hear about us is a, a very b2c tactic but now it is getting more and more used in b2b and it tells us a good story about which tactics are uh working hmm. the other uh thing that is uh the human voice like uh in most of the b2b companies are now uh using the human element because like humans buy from humans is a very b2b b2c marketing term but now uh the companies are using this more often even linkedin now they are launching this thought leadership as in which you can promote your individuals in your company uh, by mm-hmm. your company uh because again even on b2b even uh for B- linkedin uh which is a company that is actually known for being very slow about this kind of stuff uh right. even they accept this fact like b2c is getting more and more involved b2c tactics are getting more and more involved in b2b 
Hmm. I think so. You're right, but at the same time, now B two C tactics might be very straightforward, whereas B two B might have a more strategic and more niche sort of audience that might listen to them. For example, if we take LinkedIn as a platform itself, that might be something which is best suited for B two B companies and their ideologies. But at the same time, now B two C might take another route, but but. as you said that's true as well because um, you know tactics are mixing because one way or the other some practices are they remain the same but now how important is the customer success really when it comes to b2b saas marketing i believe uh it is important on the social proof stand of point uh mm-hmm. if your customer success team is strong it means that your current customers are happy if your current customers are happy they will be more likely to give you testimonials if you mm-hmm. get testimonials from your best customers then you can reach out to your new customers new prospects by those testimonials mm-hmm. and again currently a company could showcase their product uh, they can tell what they do okay they would create that uh, solution awareness uh, those mm-hmm. kind of ads will create that uh, solution awareness however when it comes to the buying phase uh, people will be more like to listen to other people not the companies okay a company might make that person solution aware but if that person is about to buy then they need to get social proof and if your current customers are not happy if they are not getting a proper service if the customer service is not strong then why mm-hmm. the hell they would give a testimonial for your company mm-hmm. uh therefore i believe customer success uh in the whole marketing journey has one of the most important places but like what would be the practices that would be the best suited to like gain customer satisfaction or retention for that matter i believe uh customer success teams need to know the product really well like they need to act like product managers at some point uh okay. like they they cannot only be like okay i hear you i'm going to speak with the product team and come back with you like they need to understand what product is capable of they need to then to be able to compare uh the other clients and say okay you know what you have this problem but another client and a client of mine was having the same problem they did that and i believe this solution might work for you uh so like it is more than a support uh it needs to be in a more growth function uh mm-hmm. so that not only uh the customer success will help uh as they should be uh doing to the customers but they need to be uh assisting them uh to get them more uh from uh, from the product right now this is a very b2c or let's say d2c question but does feedback really matter for b2b companies as well i believe it depends on your product team like if your product team actually takes the feedback and comes with uh, comes up with that yeah definitely like uh in my previous company if one feedback from a customer actually ended up us building a complete new product uh okay. and because okay if we are in the company for product we know what the problems are but mm-hmm. if we are not using the product all the time then we need that feedback from the customers because they are the uh objective pair of eyes and sometimes th- that feedback can actually uh make your company to come up with a whole new product or change a problem that is actually maybe a de- deal breaker for most of the prospects 
Exactly, that's why. But um, like now, as we are pushing towards the end, slowly, slowly, there's just this one question because we've already discussed what could be or what is going on. But now, as the future approaches us with all the technology, AI, multiverse, every everything, what are these some emerging trends or let's say technologies that are gonna shape up the future of B two B SaaS marketing? I believe. Uh, it will be the combination of AI and human element. Like I'm not going to say ChatGPT will come and change everything. No, like ChatGPT can help us to create a really good stuff. Uh, it can give us a really good insight. But at mm. the end of the day, there will still be human element. Like you can get ChatGPT to write tons of blog posts. Okay, but you cannot get it to create your point of view. You cannot get it uh, to create your new product. There will be still humans, but uh with ai humans now uh will have to be more uh i, I would say creative uh because this is one thing that ai won't be able to do and i believe uh the biggest change will happen in what do we expect from our employees uh we will be expecting them to be more creative mm -hmm. uh therefore with that create creativity they can use the ai to get more efficient I think so. Previously, we were like uh, a few hours back. We were discussing this only that you know how ChatGPT might just eat up some of some of the jobs and stuff. But uh, I guess your point is right. But at the same time, you know, anybody can just you know cheat from ChatGPT and make it their own point of view. So how how does that really make it not so not so relevant? Like uh, for example, uh, I can get. I, I can give chat GPT like 10 topics. I can, I can say, okay, write me a blog post and it will mm. do it. Uh, however, uh, chat GPT won't be able to, at least for now, understand uh, what my customer needs right now. What are their questions and how mm. can I reach them better? Uh, and for example, our new new point of view at Cognizm is that B2B buying behavior has changed. And we are saying this for a reason because we have listened uh, all of the gong calls. We have been reading through all of the posts that we are getting from prospects and customers. And then we created this point of view. And currently at least for a couple of years, ChatGPT won't be able to say, okay, this is what you are going to be doing. But mm -hmm. at some point, like I'm not saying that it won't be able to be creative uh, forever. But at least for now, I know that I can get ChatGPT to automate my campaigns on the page site. Uh, I can get ChatGPT to analyze my data. Uh, therefore, I don't actually need someone to uh, do paid ads anymore. However, I still need people to come up with ideas. Hmm. That that makes sense, actually. And uh, last question for you, Janberg, before you go, and that would be some advice because you know you have been. Uh, if you only talk about marketing, you've been in different aspects of it, from starting a startup to you know really doing these jobs. What would be that one advice for all these newbies or somebody that's really struggling? Uh, I would say test, like uh, testing and experimenting. And mm. even though you don't always get the best results, like uh, you need to apply the Pareto principle, 20% to 80%. Uh, probably 80% of your experiments will fail, but 20% of your experiments will bring 80% of the impact. And even though you fail, like for the, even for, for the first five times, six times, mm. uh, you just need to get that 20%. That's it. 
Wow, that's that's great. But thank you so much for joining us today. And it was lovely talking to you, Janvak. Thank you so much for having me, Muskan.